President Biden from the Oval Office says the U.S. averted economic collapse. Yet the nation is already at 32 trillion in debt and with open borders. Many would argue back that America is collapsing. Senator Ron Johnson will tell us why he did not vote for the increase in America's debt. And then the U.S. Surgeon General recently published a detailed study of loneliness in the United States. Well, the stress is causing widespread depression and suicide. Dr. Marilyn Singleton is here on that story and the combination of AI and medicine. And then Dr. Stephen LaTulip and Arnetta Nakin discuss the fallout from DHS Secretary Mayorkas, his statements about the pyramid of far-right radicalization, the profiling and targeting of conservatives, Christians, and patriotism. It's all next on Viewpoint This Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the Weekend News Magazine with Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Outloud here. Well, the USA Today uh, starts off uh, their piece on the national debt uh, with the United States closer than ever to running out of money. President Joe Biden and Congress avoided a national default that would have been a self-inflicted economic disaster for their country. Senate approved uh, the uh, debt deal uh, 63 to 36. Uh, and uh, so it is now uh, now a thing. And one of the people who said uh, no and they did not vote for is uh, Senator Ron Johnson. And uh, the senator joins me now on Viewpoint. Uh, Senator Johnson served as the chairman of the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee up until 21. He's now the ranking member for the Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations and Budget Foreign Relations and and Commerce, Science, Transportation Committees and uh, So your uh, statement, Senator Johnson, says I've consistently voted against massive deficit spending. So I'll let those who continue to support reckless spending vote to raise the debt ceiling. There appears to be no end in sight. Now, the president says from the Oval Office that the U.S. averted uh, economic collapse, he calls it. And there's been a lot of adjectives used that are catastrophic in nature about this happening. Here's what I'm wondering, sincerely, if all the Republicans had taken the same position you did and not voted to give the the bigger credit card, if you will, to the federal government, would that have been at least a move in the right direction at this point? Uh, I'm just wondering, or do we keep just borrowing to bankrupt the nation? Where's an end point to this, I guess, what I'm asking? Well, first, understand what a phony crisis this was. Uh, We have more than enough revenue coming into the federal government to service our debt, to pay for Social Security, probably most of Medicare, you know, particularly in the short term, if you would just do responsible cash management. Uh, you know, Unfortunately, we could count on President Biden and Treasury Secretary Yellen to inflict as much pain as possible to gain some kind of uh, political advantage. And I think that's what uh, some Republicans were afraid of. 
But you know, the, the real impending crisis is the fact that we're $32 trillion in debt on the path of going to $50 trillion in debt. And we never really talk about the numbers here, Malcolm. You know, I'm an accountant, so I, I like numbers. But in the political realm, people like rhetoric, they like demagoguery. But let me just give you and your listeners just a few numbers to put things in perspective. In the year 2002, you know, 20 years ago, we passed the $2 trillion spending mark, $2 trillion, or, or $2,000 billion is another way of looking at that. I knew we were going to be in trouble when we switched denominations from billions to trillions. Yeah. But anyway, so we crossed $2 trillion, right? 17 years later, in fiscal year 2019, uh, we spent $4.4 trillion. So we doubled, more than doubled spending in 17 years. That was prior to the COVID recession. Uh, then during COVID, we went on this massive spending spree. We, 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 we wasted hundreds of billions of dollars, probably trillions of dollars. But we went from $4.4 trillion to $6.5 trillion the next year, then $6.8 trillion. And then as the pandemic was winding down, we spent $6.3 trillion. You know, that's $1.8 trillion more than we'd spent just three years earlier. And what this debt ceiling deal does it pretty well locks in the 6.3 trillion dollars mm-hmm. okay it's it's a massive amount of spending had we taken the 4.4 trillion right. and just increased it by population growth and even biden's high inflation rate last year we would have spent about 5.1 trillion dollars that, that would have been a more reasonable baseline to return to but instead we pretty well locked in a 6.3 trillion dollar baseline so um, you know, what the House originally passed, I thought was the bare minimum. I know House conservatives went a long way at compromising with their conference to pass something to provide uh, Speaker McCarthy some leverage in the negotiations. But, you know, the problem is we're, we're, we're trying to negotiate with Democrats and President Biden who have no problem mortgaging our kids' future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Just spending like there's no tomorrow. And not not paying attention to the impending crisis of, of a debt crisis right, right. when when we're no longer the world's reserve currency and we can't borrow money the way we can. Yeah, yeah. Then we're not calling the shots at that point for sure. Uh, you spell out pretty well there. That's great um, uh, opening sequence because it uh, it's really a game of smoke and mirrors is what it is. And uh, so, but it's it's you know it's um it's the uh, court of public opinion is what they're driving all the time. The court of public opinion. That's the campaign that's always being run. You talked about the, the court of public opinion. Unfortunately, it's shaped by our compliant, complicit and corrupt media that uh, primarily populated with a bunch of radical leftists themselves who support the Democrat agenda, uh, support America going down the socialist path. And I, I do try and point out to as many people as possible that, Venezuela, which was an oil-rich nation, a very successful South American country, voted those Venezuelans. They voted themselves into poverty, mm-hmm. into poverty over the course of just a couple of decades. Right. And unfortunately, we're we're heading down a very dangerous path yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as I've been pointing out to listeners in recent times here, progressivism is a bit of a disease, uh, to be sure, and. Uh, and we're feeling the impact of it now. You know, let me, uh, something else reflective I want to ask you. Uh, you know, think about it in this terms. I want listeners to understand. Our founders fought against uh, high taxes uh, back in 1773, as we all know. It's a famous tea party. And it was to protest the British tax on tea. Uh, no taxation without representation, et cetera. Okay. 
Now, uh, today, they're taxing more than just tea, of course. Our problems have gone uh, way, way gone wrong. Now, as I understand it, uh, Senator, uh, the idea of the federal government was for national security purposes, a better protection in larger numbers. Now, these are my words, but better protection in larger numbers. So we joined together, and that became what we now call the United States of America. It was a national security deal, more so than anything. Uh, th- this was the common ground, I believe, at least from my recollection of history, that was the American experiment. And, and I use those words. Now, the American experiment right now appears to be badly, badly wounded. It's wobbling. I mean, it's 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 injured badly. Uh, America today, in my estimation, Senator, is a very sad reflection of what we were yesteryear. And it's happening in our lifetimes Here's what I want to pose to you. Unless we reverse engineer, I would call it reverse engineering, again, my words, uh, the United States of America, are we on a collision course with the new world order reality at this point? That's certainly my concern. And let's face it, our founders were geniuses. Uh, They they had studied history. Mm -hmm. Uh, They come from tyrannical regimes. They understood that, uh, you know, men and women were, were certainly not angels, so... You know, if we don't want to live in anarchy and chaos, we do need government. But they also recognize that the government wasn't designed to uh, solve all your problems. Government was buying large something to fear. You, you needed some of it, but they knew as government would grow, your freedoms would would recede. And so they, they tried to establish this system, and they were pretty successful at a, at a, at a system that with checks and balances to keep the federal government from becoming more powerful. I mean, they wanted most of the governing authority in the sovereign states. You know, government close to the governed, where it's more accountable, it's more efficient, it's more, it's more uh, again, it's accountable to the people. But over the years, you know, it, it was the turn of the 20th century, federal government was about 2% of our GDP, right. and state and local governments were about 5%. So total government take, this is again, early 1900s, Mm-hmm. of around 7%. You know, recently the federal government's been about 25% of our economy. And state and local governments, I think, about 15%. So a total take of government about 40% versus 7 So you can see how we've kind of turned the yeah. foundational premise of this nation on its head, where now the federal government is, you know, the big daddy. Uh, yeah. It's all powerful. And as a result, we've seen our freedoms receding what's, what's suppressing Malcolm is how, how many of our fellow citizens willingly give up their freedom for a false sense of security. We saw it really happening during COVID where people just blindly followed, uh, you know, yeah. idiots like uh, Anthony Fauci <laughs> and, you know, wore, wore two, three, four masks knowing that, it, you know, <laughs> they weren't going to work. Uh, so no, it's, 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 we, we need to return to the foundational premise of this nation. We need to demand uh, that governing authority comes back close to the people, the state's local government, and we need to shrink the size of the federal government and its influence over our lives. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I've noticed trending on America Out Loud in recent days over the last week is a government beast has been trending a bit here, government beast. Uh, and uh, because it is a beast, everybody is recognizing the size and scope of this thing is completely out of control. You're exactly right. You know, another big point which ties in immigration, I want to touch with you on in, in an attempt to keep the federal government to, to keep continue on this conversation we're having, Senator. 
Uh, to keep the federal government in check, back in 1791, and I speak about the Tenth Amendment a great deal, the Tenth Amendment was ratified, states' rights, federalism. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, stating that the federal government has only those powers delegated to it by the Constitution, uh, and that all of the powers not forbidden to the states by the Constitution are reserved to each state. Now, this was a beautiful thing, uh, and it kept them in check, the beast, if you will, the government beast. Uh, since taken off, as President Biden now has seen an illegal immigration explosion of more than five and a half million, larger than the population of 28 states. Let that sink into your minds, people. Wow. I see reports now there are about 23 states. Uh, there's a coalition coming together against uh, suing the Biden administration, putting together a case about the unlawful immigration policy, 23 of them. And uh, now keep in mind, we have about 26 Republican governors to 24 Democratic uh, gives you a perspective. But even the Democratic governors have been complaining very loudly, but they're not joining into the coalition, of course, because they just follow their ideology rather than what's good for the country. Sadly, it's a sad case. And then to top all that off with these. So my question with these states getting together, isn't that where the power is now moving forward? I mean, listen, we the people, we the states. Uh, the only way I can see it, because it's a tall order at this place. Every time you and I talk, we know it's a tall order. We know flipping the script on this thing, or reverse engineering, as I call it, is massive in size and scope. So, but the power's got to be that 10th Amendment and federalism in the states. The states have got to push back. It's got to happen at the local level. We've got to push the local level. We've got to push the state governments to say, enough, Uncle Sam, enough. You've taken too much now. Knock it off. Isn't that what has to happen here? I think it's interesting you mentioned the 10th Amendment. I have that stenciled on my Senate office wall. I love it. Love it. And right underneath that is a picture of uh, George Washington, yeah. uh, a reluctant president and somebody who gave up power after eight years when he could have been crowned king. But no, you're exactly right. When when you've got the, the party of big government in power, uh, the, the best check and balance on them really is the, the power within the states. And those attorneys general. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of those states and those attorneys generals who are suing the federal government and then using a third branch of government, the court, to also provide a check and balance. So uh, I, I know for conservatives, it's frustrating. It, it takes so much time. And you know, unfortunately, also, government ratchets in only one direction. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. It's very difficult to reduce it. But that's what we have to do and we've got to convince more of our, our fellow citizens that's the, the correct uh, direction is to demand governing authority back to the states back to the local governments for example education there's no there's no role in my mind from the federal government into local education that should primarily be a local function uh local school boards and you know maybe states have some role in terms of making sure that everybody's funded properly and stuff but uh, that, that's the good news. You know, if, you, if you're concerned about critical race theory or this, you know, pushing transgenderism on our young children, uh, do something about it. Run for school board, you know, get, get involved, support other conservatives that are running for school board. You, you can take back that control pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the federal government is they're doing everything now they were never intended to do, to your point. And uh, the Department of Education continues. People believe it should be uh, demolished. And uh, all of this power sent back to states' rights. You're exactly right. And a whole lot of other things should happen as well. 
Uh, the immigration piece, beyond the beyond the debt we're talking about, Senator Johnson, beyond the debt, which is massive in size and scope and big problem, immigration would be the one and two. Uh, if we're going to have massive problems, these are the problems that are jeopardizing the American experiment. I would I would suggest back to you that. And the immigration point is it's changing our country in such radical ways right now. I've been speaking to terrorism experts in recent times here and others who really are watching more carefully and closely the numbers and the unreported numbers of things that are happening. And this is not a genie that is going to be able to put back in the bottle very quickly or easily. This is creating, and you correct me on this, or please talk about, but this is creating permanent, this is permanent damage. This is, and we're not feeling the, the ramifications of this yet. There's going to be a price to pay for this. I can guarantee you and guarantee everybody, listen, there is going to be a price to pay for this. It's going to be bigger than anybody wants. I can feel it in my soul. It's going to happen. And I don't say that, uh, I'm not a... You know, uh, theorist. I just feel we're we're in trouble here, and and that's got to be the next biggest problem. I seen a tweet put out uh, a story in just the news suggested that the Biden regime is the largest child trafficking organization on the planet. It was retweeted by a, a Wisconsin radio host and was retweeted by yourself as well. And this, of course, something I'm always concerned with: human trafficking, child trafficking. But the the immigration itself. Put that in summary for us. So this is. I, again, I, I I don't see us coming back from this. I think this is a permanent deal uh, that I don't know how to fix it at this point, but we're getting beyond the point of no return. Is that an overstatement? Well, certainly the, the Biden's open border policy, and again, this is engineered, this is what they want, is facilitating the multi-billion dollar business model of some of the most evil people on the planet, the human traffickers, the sex traffickers, the drug traffickers, and, you know, the, the harm it's doing our country is you know, it's in, in, incalculable. Uh, for example, the, of the somewhere between five, six million people who probably have been either encountered in process and dispersed or have entered the country as known or unknown gotaways. Mm-hmm. So we know they've come in, but we don't know who they are or we don't even know how many people come in. So th- that number is somewhere between one and two million people. So th- those would be the drug traffickers. Those would be the. You know the gang members, those the terrorists. Don't forget the terrorists. That's documented now. And that those would be that would be the, the terrorists, and we have no idea who they are or where they are because right. we've allowed our immigration system to get completely out of control. Malcolm, we're a nation of immigrants. It has made our nation strong. All these Amen. people seeking freedoms, coming into our country to seek a better life for themselves, their family. They work their tails off, Amen. but it has to be a legal system. This doesn't work for anybody. P- people coming in here now, they'll be working in the shadows. They can be abused by their employers. You know, as plus the, the 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 bad people that we don't know who they are that have also come in with with the other people who are just coming here to improve their lives. So it's got to be a legal system. And Joe Biden has has so delayed mm-hmm. our ability to establish a functioning legal immigration system. He's destroyed it. Yeah. Uh, it's just awful what he's done. Yeah, I, I, it's almost speechless with this conversation that we're having this conversation in our beautiful country. 
that we're at this point. Uh, it's it's a terrible thing. Again, the American experiment. It's 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 wobbling badly, really, really badly. And I, I you and I've talked enough to know that uh, we don't know what the short answer is here. But it's it's serious and severe. Uh, corruption. This next part of the conversation is probably going to get uh, Senator Johnson out loud. We'll call him uh, because this is something you're so passionate about. It's the corruption. Yes. And there's a couple of things here. One was the letter to uh, your letter to John Durham with Senator Chuck Grassley. And I spoke to his folks about it as well and demanded answers from this uh, special counsel, John Durham, uh, about these cross hurricane figures, what have you. And then I see a very bold message you put out there, which I so applauded the fact that you uh, you're at a point now where you're just naming names. And I just I really appreciate that about you. It says here's a partial list of corrupt government actors. Now, Hillary Clinton, Lois Lerner, James Comey, Andrew McKay, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, John Brennan, Adam Schiff, uh, Anthony Blinken, uh, Mike Morrell, and the Bidens. And we're only getting started, you say. Bring that all together in the corruption and this uh, letter you did with Grassley uh, to uh, the uh, special counsel, because there was nobody held accounted for anything. They continue. It just blows my mind. They continue to get a pass no matter what they do. I became chairman of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, which is the Senate Oversight Committee. And, you know, I did became chairman in 2015 just as the Hillary Clinton email scandal broke. Now, this was following the Tea Party movement and Lois Lerner being when Obama weaponized the IRS against the uh, Tea Party groups. So I, I've just, it's, you know, since I entered government in 2011, I've just seen this steady progression of the federal government being weaponized against is citizens, and it's the same cast of characters. It's it's the Obama administration, then Hillary Clinton. It's Democrat Party, and and people who are loyal to it. And then it's you know it's James Comey, and it's the whole cast of characters that uh, uh, were involved in editing the exoneration email of Hillary Clinton. They they became the Crossfire Hurricane team, you know. And it just continues on to you know the the, the final example. Not it's not the final, unfortunately, but the most recent example is the the corrupt letter signed by 51 former intelligence officials yeah. that uh, interfered in our election to a far greater extent than anything Russia or China could ever hope to accomplish. So it's just amazing. You take a look at COVID, how, how our health agencies have been captured by big pharma. And I would argue that probably the USDA is captured by big egg culture. And our defense industry has been captured by the military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us against. And we've just, we've just done nothing effectively to push back against the corporatism. And again, I'm a private sector guy. I have no problem with big business, but I have a big problem with big business or big unions capturing the government agency, gaining power uh, against the interests of the citizens. And that's what's happening from both the right and the left, unfortunately, you know, from, from the private sector as well as from uh, leftist groups. And so we just see corruption throughout our system, but it's big government that facilitates it all. If government wasn't so big, if it wasn't also powerful, it couldn't be captured by big business. It couldn't be captured by the unions. And government would serve its purpose, which is the defense of this nation, security of our borders, protection of the citizens, protection of our liberty. But understand that. That is the, the main function of government is protection of our freedom. And right now, as government's growing, our freedoms are receding. The government's doing the exact opposite. It's taking our freedom away. 
Man, you say it so well there, so well. It's just it's national security. It's what it is, our freedom. You're exactly right. And they're doing anything but that. They're doing anything but what they were designed to do, what the framers built this experiment for. They're totally out of control, man. It's it's beyond the pale here, what's taking place. Um, with all this corruption, you know, the the we've seen it throughout all the Trump years, big time and building since the Obama years. It's a zombie state of bureaucrats is what I call it. And it's all right there in the FBI, CIA, DOJ, HHS. It's all the way across the board, lock, stock and barrel. Uh, there are all of these bureaucrats or zombies that think that they run the joint and think they own it. And I've been speaking pretty loudly out there about this point, because I think it's our biggest point of corruption is that. Uh, beyond the rest of it, it's that part right there. So I would say to you, with everything you know, because you've seen a lot of information, a lot of thoughts here about this corruption, and you know how far and wide it is, and you know far more than anybody listening to this broadcast right now, Senator. You know far more than I could begin to think I know and would say about it. Some of these things you're probably not able to share, and some things you may not be willing to, based on scaring people to the point of no return. But I want to ask you with this corruption, what does your heart of heart say at this point? Does anybody ever, is there any going to be, will this, is this thing, I mean, is the corruption so loud and so there that they're not going to be able to hide it? I mean, it's already out with the Durham, but I mean, uh, will anybody, is there any accountability for this thing? Does anybody get held, does anybody get a, uh, a parking ticket for this thing. Does anybody get a parking ticket for this thing? What? Tell me. I, I think first, Malcolm, I think we need to understand that uh, exposure is a pretty significant piece of accountability. Yes. If you're in the political realm, you know, Hillary Clinton lost election because I, I would say the American public held her accountable for her, what I would consider almost criminal activity with the, you know, what, what she do, did with federal records. So that's the first, and from my standpoint, the most important uh, piece of accountability is exposing them. So they, they no longer can serve. They can no longer be corrupt. But, you know, I've asked in other tweets, too, you know, how pervasive, how deep is the radical left deep state? That's, it's important to label it. You know, we do have a deep state, okay? But it's populated by radical leftists progressivism by progressives yeah. it's just not populated by conservatives no, okay no, no um so we need we need to recognize that and again when i when i'm talking to young people I, I i always ask them to please jealously guard your freedom appreciate you know what what their parents and school administrators are doing in terms of their education appreciate the fact that you've been born here in this land of unlimited opportunity but understand what's happening and understand that the most the essential ingredient that's made America great, I mean, that's allowed us to dream, inspire, and build and create is freedom. It's that freedom. But a, a more fundamental value is truth. So seek the truth, jealously guard your freedom. And if we have more and more Americans waking up to that reality, right. um, we, we, we've got the framework here. We, we, have, we know what works. Right. Uh, it's worked for you know pretty well for 200 and some years. And uh, yeah. we, we have to do everything we can to preserve it. Well, and, and to bring it just right there to a head with what you say, the Harvard Camps Harris poll, which I know you've seen, uh, says large majorities of Americans say they are not surprised to learn that the FBI abused its power in the Trump-Russia probe to help Biden. And large majorities also say they are deeply worried about the U.S. security state's manipulation of U.S. politics 
and we need sweeping reform. So that is a bright spot, isn't it? It, it is. It, it takes it takes a while. Again, part of our part of the deep state, if you will, is the uh, the media, the compliant, corrupt, and complicit media. Uh, so they're they're a bunch of leftists as well. The, the mainstream legacy media, you know. But we still have, we still have free speech. You know, we still have a free press. I mean, we've got shows like yours. We have we have the internet. We, you know, yeah. thank God that uh, Elon Musk took over Twitter. Uh, and is, that's kind of a blow for freedom as well. So we've got substacks. We have alternate media. So you can get the truth. But the problem we have is it's more and more difficult to discern what truth is. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. It but uh, that, that's where we need citizens to use their, their common sense and, and try and be as discerning as possible. And just, you know, some of these things don't make sense. And use your common sense to discern what, what really is happening here in this country. Yeah. Uh, Senator Ron Johnson, um, thank you uh, for remaining uh, part of we the people and representing Americans and Wisconsinites in the way that you do. We really appreciate you, sir. Well, thanks for doing what you do. Keep 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 it up. Thank you. All right. That's Senator Ron Johnson here. Friends, we'll take a quick pause and we'll return with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. First time she's been on the broadcast the government-imposed epidemic of loneliness study. Coming up next, more Viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is indeed Malcolm Out Loud here, yours truly, and welcome, friends, and thank you for joining us on the mission here. It's a privilege to have you here always. Uh, what a powerful viewpoint this Sunday. We're going to continue that right next. Very, very pleased and thrilled and have so been looking forward to this. Dr. Marilyn Singleton joins me on the broadcast here. She's board certified anesthesiologist, say that fast three times, and past president of the American Association of Physician Surgeons, the APS, wonderful, marvelous organization. Uh, graduated from Stanford and earned her MD at the UCSF Medical School. Has a legal background and just well-rounded in all these kinds of matters. Dr. Marilyn Singleton, welcome to the broadcast. Privilege to have you here. Well, thank you for inviting me. This this is wonderful. It's so good to talk to you. Yes, long overdue. Uh, and so, all right, let me tell folks as well that um, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, who I am proud to say to all of you out there, 
is the host of America Out Loud Pulse every Monday. His program is a must-listen to. 5 p.m. Eastern Time, by the way, on um, Monday through Friday. You'll get that right here on the network. All right, this government-imposed epidemic of loneliness study, you did an article on it on the platform. You did a, a show on it. Very interesting. What was interesting, I had been watching this prior. I had been studying. Uh, the Surgeon General, Vivek Murphy, 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 had come out with this thing. And um, he, he said he was studying the loneliness in the United States. And even before the onset of COVID-19, you say it had been happening. But they are talking about other... I always worry, uh, you know, Dr. Singleton, when they want to come up with more government programs and more helping people sort of thing, when they put their hands into these kinds of affairs, uh, uh, concern me. But, you know, what's really ironic to me about this is they created a lot of these problems. If you look at the loneliness, the stress... And these uh, that they've created with the American people with all of these cultural wars that are going on and all these trans conversations going on and uh, the indoctrination of the kids happening and lockdowns and COVID stuff. And they created the problem as far as I can see. Uh, but I'd like you to opine on that and tell folks about this study. Well, one, I think you're absolutely right. Anytime we look back at so many of these social issues that the government's complaining about, they're of their own doing. I look at poverty and and then some of these racial issues. Let's go back to the 60s when they started the Great Society and having welfare only for homes that did not have men in the homes. And guess what? People kicked the men out of the homes so they could get the money and because they needed the money rather than having government encourage the man, okay, you're on tough times, stay in the household, keep the family together, and then you'll get back on your feet with a little help from the government, not the government imposing themselves as your new daddy. And so they've done that, and now they're trying to so-called remedy it. And the same with the loneliness. They divided us up politically, racially, all this emphasis on what color people are and it's it's it just it it makes me sick and so as a society we're getting divided with the imprimatur of the government on it in fact it it's kind of to me all part of the game there is a really good book called true believer the making of a mass movement it was written by eric hoffer and this was back in the 50s so we aren't talking something that came out right now and is hooking on to kind of the 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 world view that's going on now this seems like something in human nature and one of the things eric hoffer says how a uh, a big leader of a mass movement can come out is first you have to make people miserable because then they'll latch on to whatever the new idea is. And that seems to be what they're doing now. They have to make us miserable. We were getting too happy. We were getting along. We were doing well. And then suddenly, everything starts to fall apart. So we turn inward. We get depressed. And then, of course, they plop the COVID nonsense on us. Yeah. What's interesting is I've titled this broadcast today. We're having the conversation, by the way, which plays to the narrative of what you're speaking about there, Dr. Singleton. The American experiment is being tested. Uh, we're wobbling at the moment. And I address that point with uh, Senator Ron Johnson on top of the broadcast quite a bit as we're looking at the challenges we're having with the nation, uh, with our nation. Um, 
This uh, this um, loneliness, stressful study that was done, uh, and the Surgeon General is the one that's trying to come up with programs, and I worry all the time when they want to put their hands into more programs, social programs, and what have you. Uh, but you say in your write-up, this is a really interesting point, social isolation and loneliness increase the risk for premature death, heart disease, and stroke by some 30%, wow, or the same as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Now, that is staggering to me, that, uh, that st- stat there. Uh, speak about that, please. Well, it's one of the things, it, it's so funny sometimes we have these studies, and which I'm glad we have them, to prove things that sometimes are the obvious. It's like exercise it seems to decrease the chance of dementia, it decreases the chance of many other chronic conditions, that good old basic things, exercise, talking to people, makes people feel better. And people have kind of known that for years. So, and and there's a lot of chicken or the eggedness, made up a new word, um, that comes out of these studies because maybe some people isolate themselves because they have heart disease and don't feel good or they think they can't move around and uh, i don't know they look at too much stuff on tv that tells you you're an old fart and you need to stay home (laughs) and you know so there's a little bit on both sides but there's no question and these statistics have been borne out in harvard studies and a few other studies that have come out you know little they look at a little bit different angle but they still come out where uh, Harvard study said it was over 30% of people had reported loneliness, with the worst being in the age of 18 to 25, which really, really saddens me because these are supposed to be the prime, the f- most fun years of your life. That's right. That's right. Well, that's why suicide and depression is running rampant right now with young people. Uh, it plays right to what you're talking about here. And don't forget the stress within these social programs. You nailed it perfectly when you talk about, and it, it concerns me, it's always been one of my pet peeves and the things I rail against is this uh, divide, how they divide the people all the time. I hate, I despise, I find it so disgusting, uh, this uh, talk about when they use race to divide things, which is a constant narrative of progressivism, uh, communism, is to divide the people, which is really the far left game plan. And um, it's, it's, it's really sick. Uh, how they do that, but they use that in so many ways, and they're doing it again now with these social programs. Um, now, the the uh, the solution the federal government is saying for all this to bring this to a head with the Surgeon General, they their plan is to establish a national strategy to advance social connection, is what they're calling it. And and then you say, and uh, I love you because you always flip things on 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 their backside, which is what you did in this case. You say, well, maybe that's what's wrong. <laughs> Since the, the great society programs of the 60s, the federal government's ever-expanded regulation of our lives has encouraged us to look to the government for help instead of each other. Isn't that part and parcel of the problem, Dr. Singleton? Well, that's right. You know, you think 
back to when this country was founded and and believe it or not i wasn't back there then but uh, <laughs> the history books do say that people depended on each other they depended on each other for medical care families were certainly closer people lived in one big house and i'm sure these days not only could people not afford a big house the way we've evolved we're we don't seem to be fans of our own family members be that as it may we got used to being apart and certainly a government program and and some of the things they say you know strengthens social infrastructure it's like what does that mean what are they going to do so they'll have some social programs, uh, uh, shuffleboard for old folks that nobody will sign up <laughs> well, to. Isn't, and isn't the government always lo- right? Isn't the government always looking for the next crisis they can try to solve? Isn't that what it always is? You know, they never let a crisis go to waste, right? But then they don't have a good answer. I mean, you know, if they actually throw more government at it, throw more money at it. <laughs> Exactly. And you know there's something that's underlying this. And I I really do think you hit it when you said the government always needs a crisis. So, yes, it is a problem, but it's not a problem for the government to solve. And this is something people need to get together. But, Malcolm, you look at all the things that have changed. People don't go to church anymore. People don't get together and then COVID certainly sealed the deal on that. Social media has taken over people actually talking. I mean, people are standing right next to each other and they're texting yeah. each other oh, and yeah. not talking. Oh, yeah. Well, I call it a cultural rot. It's a cultural rot of our nation. And it's very, very sad, Dr. Sinclair, but it's, it's a cultural rot. I want to get your opinion. I want to, I, I, while I get you here, and I, I want to give the last couple of moments, I want to get your opinion on this AI in medicine. Because you, you, I know you have something to say about it. You've been outspoken about this, but there's a lot of talk. And I was actually talking to Dr. Peter McCullough the other day quite a bit about it as well. Uh, they have to use an artificial Artificial intelligence is the next best thing to replace medicine, replace doctors even, and that sort of thing. They're actually not only just talking about it, but they're pushing a narrative there. Uh, what, what's going on with this thing? Well, it's interesting because there's no question that in many cases, a computer can come up with a diagnosis. Uh, Radiology was one of the first places AI was there because it's very precise. It's looking at a picture. It's not an opinion. It's a picture. And the computer is saying what it sees in the picture. The radiologist, of course, has to review it because there might be a shadow that the computer's seeing that um, isn't real. But when you're talking about doctor-patient interactions where uh, patients are giving symptoms and they're telling you about their life or whatever, that I don't see how AI can synthesize that type of information. How does it even synthesize some of the non-visual cues? And, And the worst, if they actually are recording some entire conversation between the doctor and patient coming up with a diagnosis. How creepy is that? And to think that uh, every conversation between the doctor and patient is somewhere out there in the ether, that's creepier than even the thought of AI making a diagnosis. 
Well, let me tell folks now, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, you can hear her and please do. I mean, she does an extraordinary job. I could not be more proud. And I just mean that wholeheartedly. I love her broadcast and her persona and her commitment and just is remarkable. I mean, she's on every Monday, America Out Loud Pulse. Pulse is a huge success for the network, huge success. It's one of our top, top, top rated shows. Uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time, Monday through Friday. You get that on the network, friends. And you can also, uh, it all goes to podcasts. All the shows go to podcasts worldwide, on demand, or right at America Out Loud. You can also ask questions to your host. Go in under shows on the nav bar at americaoutloud.com, and, and you can do all of that. All right, so that's how you listen to more of Dr. Marilyn Singleton right there. Let me also tell you about this wonderful new feature I'm super excited about. We've been working on this for a while here, and that is AmericaOutloud.shop. Very simple. Now you just need one URL is all you need, AmericaOutloud.shop. It's very, very cool with all these amazing, marvelous products. And we have more coming, by the way, that we are partnering with some. We just want to bring, get healthy immune system and bring health and, well, make it cool again. You know, make it cool again, I guess you might say. And a healthy immune system will do that, I'll tell you right now. And many of us who stopped off all of this COVID business and uh, avoided all the vaccine uh, nauseation, uh, have pretty good immune systems. Friends, you can do that with uh, Healthy Cell, the, the, the right there, the uh, um, immune super boost that we brag about all the time. It's marvelous because of everything that's in that product. But all of the products on there, the spike support from the wellness company is amazing. Uh, that's a bites back. It's got the natokinase in there. Uh, you get 25% off that product or the Healthy Cell. All of the links in the AmericaOutloud.shop have the discount automatically it'll put you right into the company to get the out loud discount the code is always out loud that's how you get it so anyways enough of that but that's keep yourself healthy and your loved ones around you your family the people who you cherish get keep them healthy you gotta be disciplined gotta get out and walk and breathe and enjoy this beautiful life and fight the government back at the door but enjoy it while you're doing it and take some healthy cell and spike support and take all the things you need to do to stay and remain healthy Friends, I want to take a quick pause now. This next segment will blow you away or it will irritate you or you will, well, I'm not sure what you're going to do, but it is it's about as outrageous and uh, nauseated as anything I could present to you. And I mean that wholeheartedly and we'll have the proof of it in a moment. It's the targeting of not just conservatives, but Christians and patriotism in a way that you cannot believe. Buckle your seatbelt, more viewpoint in just a moment. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Be a part of a revolutionary new healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interests of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to Viewpoints this Sunday. What a powerful broadcast day today, friends, and uh, the American experiment is tested. And uh, we are testing it back and uh, pushing back on the system to be sure. I have invited on the broadcast right now, Dr. Stephen Latulip and Arnetta Notkin to have this bigger conversation. And this gets into a piece, uh, Dr. Latulip, that you wrote about. Uh, My says Christians are a threat to America. It's a piece that's been trending for a couple of days now on AmericaOutloud.com. Let me just put this right into your uh, pur- purview, please, and explain to Americans now what the DHS is up to, what this pyramid is. You, you, you've you explored this pretty well. What is the danger? What are they doing? Well, Malcolm, uh, what we're seeing is the Department of Homeland Security has actually become mafia-like in the sense that here is an organization that was intended to protect us from enemies abroad and somehow they have targeted the the grassroots people of America in a really severe way. They're essentially calling us a threat to America in the sense that we are being lumped in with the Nazis, uh, you know, with the swastik, as you, you would think that we came right out of Nazi Germany. And uh, they are seeing... Christians and conservatives as an utter threat to everything that they stand for, and they being the government that is currently attacking us. Now, this pyramid of far-right radicalization that it's called, I'm looking at it right now as I talk to you, did DHS and Mayorkas, was there any comment on this? Uh, Was there any, uh, this actual pyramid, because I know it was mentioned in another publication uh, the Buzzell, the media research group there, right, I believe. Um, was, was this mentioned, this pyramid at all? Uh, yes, it was. I mean, they uh, DHS, of course, um, wanted to deny any uh, affiliation or endorsement of the pyramid project that lumped uh, Christians and conservative groups with the neo-Nazis. Uh, and they specifically claimed that d- they don't profile us, they don't target us, they don't d- discriminate against individuals for exercising their constitutional rights. The problem is, is that every single government organization organization has done just that. I mean, look at the January 6th prisoners. Uh, They are political prisoners in America. Um, While Antifa runs loose and free after all the damage they did to American cities, 
Here we have people who were petitioning the government with a redress of, of grievances because of an out-of-control government, and they sit in prison now. Many of them are still awaiting trials. Uh, they've been wrong, wrongly jailed, and this is what the Homeland Security Group has done. And, of course, they are uh, welcoming the invasion in our border, and I would say that they are actually coordinated, coordinating it actively. Mm-hmm. Arnetta, Christians are being um, chastised, persecuted all over the world. I mean, that is not a new thing. Uh, and But now we're seeing it in the full light of day here in our own nation. Uh, these uh, Christian groups are being targeted. Uh, it's come a long way. And I see them in the radicalization uh, pyramid I'm looking at right this moment here uh, that... Uh, you know, they're, they've been lumped into this group, as Dr. Latulip says there. Um, let's speak about, we're seeing something we've never seen in our lifetimes before with Christian groups being targeted as extremist, radicalized groups. It's not a good sign for the nation, is it? No, Malcolm, it isn't. But it is a definite part of the manual of the destruction of a constitutional republic. First thing they do is you know, shut down your voice, take your arms away, and then they remove God from all aspects of our lives, or they try to. Well, they've already been trying to remove God. That's already happened earlier, right? That's, I mean, that's, yeah. But now it's being physically attacked, and this group from Homeland Security um, give out grants, $40, $50 million grants a year, to have workshops to train the disciples of the progressives and the agents of the government to target um, all of the patriots, anyone that is not in lockstep with the progressive movement. They are targeting all of us. And it's dangerous. It's violent. It's, um, I believe there was a young man that was killed because he was a MAGA um, supporter in the movement. But it is dangerous, and most people don't even realize it's going on in their lives. They're targeting the financial institutions, the retailers, the people you, the Airbnb. Well, that's probably why a lot of these corporations are now going, they're woke over the hill, aren't they? I mean, they're. That is correct. Yeah, they're biting the bullet. I don't think by choice. I think they're being targeted so that we then boycott them and then we don't have anywhere to go shop. so you're saying as a financial person you see that as part of their strategy of these absolutely which is really goes against capitalism 101 by absolutely. any stretch of the imagination uh, tells you cap- capitalism is being threatened here as well well that's what they're trying to destroy yeah yeah well let me say this now Okay, so according to the Media Research Center, MRC, again, uh, and this was a memo now. Let me be clear with everybody that nobody's hyperventilating here or playing with theories here. There was an actual memo. That's right. An actual memo from uh, a doofus in charge of the uh, HHS, Alexandro Mayorkas, uh, who, uh, and I say that because he disgusts me in every way, shape, or form here. Um, And Mayorkas designated the pyramid program a high priority. Now, this is a memo. He designated the pyramid program a high priority. This is the director of the Homeland Security. This is who the this the people who paid this guy's salary. Y'all, do you understand what I'm talking about here? And he has this as a high priority 
for his group. Steve, Dr. Latula, what do you say about that? Well, it proves a point that we are being targeted and the high priority means that he is absolutely out to get us. And so, you know, if we're starting to feel a, a little bit paranoid finally about our government, I think that we need to acknowledge that this paranoia makes good sense when our government actually is out to get us. And we see it happening. I think the pyramid's going to shift. I think that Christians are going to rise on the pyramid, being seen as an ever-increasing increasing domestic threat. And we are the target of what's called uh, domestic extremism. That's what they're calling us. And this is just the everyday good American patriotic citizen. Yeah, well, that is that is uh, really well said. But it, um, it should scare everybody, what we're talking about now. And it comes back to the, you know, the old story that, uh, it, I don't know how to really get this point across any better, friends, but that, that old, uh, you know, the story where they come to the neighbor, the friends, the family, the others, and then they, you know, you were fine with it, but you didn't do anything. That's the warning I sort of give out there when it comes to uh, our friends on the other side of the aisle uh, that are looking for a political party. They're looking for a movement. They're looking for, they know their party has been hijacked by the radical communist extremists. They know that already. They know, they're aware. Uh, and so now they are in flux. And that's really important. Here's the movement. That's one of the things we're going to focus on on the show on Monday. Um, give people, we we just put the show together just moments ago. You'll hear it on Monday on Malcolm at 8, the voice of a nation. Uh, Dr. Latula, in your summary, to just take each of your last couple of minutes, your 30 seconds, and tell folks why they should listen in on Monday to the voice of a nation of Malcolm at 8. What did we accomplish? What do people get to learn from that place? Well, I think we are seeing that definitely America uh, and all that it stands for is being threatened and challenged in a way that we have not seen before. But that was actually predicted by our first president uh, in his uh, departing address to the nation. So I, I think that what we can get out of this program is how we can unite ourselves as Americans, tossing aside race creed, uh, political affiliation even. We are Americans first, and I'm, I'm talking about people that just simply want to live the good American dream, live the life that we have enjoyed because we were a free people and not under the tyranny of a government uh, such as we see now. Just let that sink into your soul just a moment, friends. Huh? And, you know, when he references our, our first president, George Washington, it should give you shivers, you know, in his farewell address and his warning to the nation. And here we are coming up on the 250-year experiment. Mm, there's a lot more to talk about ahead here. Big thank you here to Dr. Stephen Latula, Arnetta Notkin. Again, that broadcast will be Monday on The Voice of a Nation, Malcolm at 8. But what a tremendous program here. Thank you for being part of the mission. It's all back at AmericaOutloud.com. May the truth prevail, the outlaw truth. Thank you for joining me on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.